1: Love Talk Radio. right here on block talk radio it's the new year's edition of the blitz we're going to be talking nfl playoffs as well as the hall of fame finalists that were just announced about an hour ago on nfl network we'll also go into detail uh, with some of the things that are happening in the afc and the nfc wild cards the scenarios there plus college football recap of all the bowl games the major bowls and the ramifications of those alongside N'Kishi Free and Troy Wilson. Uh we're going to be discussing all those things plus uh women's gridiron off-season news and notes uh towards the later of the hour here. So uh guys, how's it going? Big weekend college football. Uh ASC NFC uh wild card weekend coming up, so it's going to be pretty awesome. Well,
0: happy new year to everybody.
2: Happy new year.
0: Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Somebody sounds like they just woke up for the first time. Papa Bear, you coming out of hibernation?
2: Uh, I had a tough week. <laughs> <laughs>
1: a That's tough a, week too much, too much clear That's water, a, there, Troy. You got
2: to get off the clear water. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I'm, a, I'm gonna need some clear of it. water. Oh no, you got sick?
2: Nah. No, I you know what I, I feel sick though. I mean, after watching what I watched this this past weekend, oh
0: man! Oh, the I games just, themselves.
2: Yeah. It, it was yeah, awful. I
0: heard they were pretty rough. I, what I bad. saw in the what I saw in the Clemson. The only thing I saw was the clip from the Clemson Ohio State game. That was enough.
2: That was oh, enough. That was all beautiful. I
0: can tell him is welcome to welcome to our world as a female. That's all I'm gonna say. That poor Ohio State player. welcome to the now. He knows what it's like to be a female in a bar. Really? (laughs) Oh, like you all didn't. Is that what we're opening
2: up the show with? (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) and I'm trying to get that vision out of my head, man. I mean, absolutely. I get one
0: moment. No, no, no. I get my moment. No, I am absolutely opening up with that because otherwise, who would we be as a Gridiron Blitz? We don't shy away from the tough stuff. We don't shy away from the tough subjects. We cover everything.
2: Uh, Yeah, he he covered a whole lot. He tried to pick the guy up like he was a bowling ball or something. I I don't know what the hell was going on with that guy, man. I've never seen anything like that. That That was disgusting. I wonder, did he smell his fingers after that or no? What do you guys think? It's pretty horrible. Too far? too far too far
1: <laughs> wow yeah it's pretty horrible um on a better note um we got the finalist and uh your boy Joe Jacoby uh Troy uh makes it as a finalist do you think he's going to make it as as the
2: one of the for the Hall of Fame well i mean he he made it last year also he was one of the finalists last year, and um, I thought he had a pretty good chance of getting in. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 not a, you know, the offensive line is not a sexy position. Um, but he he to benefit him, he did have you know the the luxury of, of being the the one of the headliners on a on a offensive line that did have a name behind it. You know that being the Hogs, um, and and you know what they don't get enough credit, even though they did have that 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 name, and it's because most people, you know, throughout the years uh, of watching football, thought of the offensive linemen as an afterthought. Uh, so, and then along come the Hogs, and they're just you know these big fat guys, and they're a lovable group, and they have fun, and and they were actually the biggest offensive line. Uh, in football, I mean, because around that time, offensive linemen were about 250, 240 pounds. I mean, and Big Jake shows up, who was actually drafted, uh, bought in as a defensive tackle, rather, uh, undrafted guy. And he came in as a defensive tackle, and, and they saw something in him that made him go ahead and switch him to, to, you know, to the offensive line. And he's a big 300-pound guy. I think he was, he was actually the first 300-pounder. And then all across that line, you just had some really big guys, and they were the first ones to actually, um, you know, put the offensive lineman on, on the map as far as especially as a unit. So, I just think he has a good chance, of, but you know, uh, he's he's got some he's got some uh, some some big headliners in front of him. You got Ladanian Tomlinson, who's also a finalist, uh, Jason Taylor, Brian Dawkins, who I mean, you know, for the Philadelphia Eagles, hell of a player. Great safety, big hitter, man. This guy just all he did was make plays. So I mean, he's you know he's got his work cut out for him this year.
1: Yeah, there's some some good names in there on, in terms of the class as well. Um, so you got a lot of big names, uh, running backs, top not, uh, top running backs. You got Terrell Owens, wide receiver, Isaac Bruce. Um, what do you got, uh, Kurt Warner, the great Don Coriel out of San Diego uh Morton Anderson, probably probably the best kicker in terms of notoriety. Then you got Jason Taylor, um pretty deserving for Miami fans there. Uh with LT from San Diego, Ty Law. Uh so there's there's a lot of uh, good players, There's Baselli and Feneca, uh, uh from uh Pittsburgh and and Dawkins from Philly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that would be I think it would be great, especially if, if uh, Joe Jacoby makes it, Don Coryell makes it. That would be two um, uh, players, and, and Don Coryell being of the Air uh, Coryell fame and the San Diego Chargers head coach, who was also um, hired Joe Gibbs as the offensive coordinator back in his days with the Chargers. And I just think that would be fantastic. Don Coryell, man, just he does not get enough credit for what he did for the game a lot of people don't remember back in the eighties. Well, maybe you do. Um, you know, it was this guy called Dan Fouts. I mean, this guy used to just air it out. He had a great team, great team. He had John Jefferson over there. Um, who else did he have on that team? He had Chuck Muncie. Um, he had who else? I already mentioned Jefferson. Uh, he just had a good, fantastic team. I mean, that, that was just a great team. So, he, they was one and also one of the first uh, coaches to just air it out, and they were predominantly a pass-happy team. And so, yeah, Kellen Winslow Sr. was on that team also. Fantastic group of people, man. And so, you know, to see Don Coryell get his due, I just think it was, it's it's about time.
1: What did you think, Nkishio, of the list, uh, the finalist list? I know there's no Cowboys in there, but. You know what I mean?
0: That's a lot of, okay. We're America's players. team. We're we're America's team, so it's okay. I actually have to agree with Troy, and I don't mind, you know, giving credit where credit is due. I absolutely can see um, Joe Jacoby getting in. And he's right. I don't think that there are enough or there is enough credit given to, you know, the um, – to the offensive linemen. I mean, because right about now, Zach Miller got some my Cowboys in there. We're totally lighting it up. And the reality is I don't know that the Cowboys would be the Cowboys that we see right now if it weren't for that offensive line that's making a way. And I think that that the offensive line guys are definitely uh, position players that don't get the credit that they deserve in terms of what they provide in terms of support. And, you know, even though, I, yeah, everybody knows, yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm not totally anti-redskins until they play us, you know, or if, if I need them to lose so my Cowboys can win. You know, because living around here, there are a lot of good guys. Um, I also am excited about LT. Um, I think that LT definitely um, is someone who I'd like to see. Uh, get in there. Jason Taylor had one heck of a career, you know, especially on defense. And, you know, and I'll tell you why, and this is my personal bias. Uh, Jason Taylor went to the University of Akron, that's where I went to grad school. And sometimes I like to see guys succeed from the smaller school because when you can see someone from who's not coming from a big name program make it to the highest level. I mean, that's the ultimate class is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So when you can see someone from one of these smaller schools getting in, you know, then it's very encouraging for guys because everybody isn't going to Alabama, everybody isn't going to a, a SEC school, you know, everybody isn't going to Oregon, they aren't going to Stanford, you know, they aren't going to a Washington so I, or Clinton, and And I think it's encouraging for guys coming out to know that they can still succeed even if they're not at a top tier school.
1: Well, you
2: guys do have the cowboy who is being nominated in there. You have the cowboy. That's Mr. Jerry Jones. So he's up for nomination also. Yeah. What? You don't like Jerry Jones? Jerry's the man.
0: I love Jerry. I can't wait to get to Jerry's world. I can't wait to get to Jerry's world. (laughs) I absolutely positively cannot wait to get to Jerry's world. I think, okay, so it all honesty, I'm just
1: stoked I'm just stoked as a fan, that I'm not always
0: Bruce. crazy. I mean as a fan I'm not always crazy about a lot of the decisions that he makes and God help me with some of the statements that he makes, you know, lower than a cricket <laughs> you know, you just gotta look. Um but we have to be fair. Jerry Jones in so many ways revolutionized the game of football you know, in terms of how we see it today. And he hurt my heart because he fired, you know, the man in the fedora. He fired Tom Landry. And, you know, for true Cowboy fans, we we appreciate the the three winning seasons. But for us, that will always be like just a hole in our heart. You just came in and ripped the soul out of the team. But um, other than that, you know, that was a crazy, wild gamble that he took, you know, sending Rocket Ishmael out so that he could draft – uh, Lord have mercy, Emmett Smith. I mean, that was a crazy, crazy move. But he's he's a good businessman, and he figured out a way to make football a business as well as loving it as a sport. And in that regard, yeah, he 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 definitely deserves some credit. I'm interested to see um, Tagliabue actually, um, because you know the, there's so many people. You have a love hate relationship for Paul Tagliabue. You know, you either love him or you hate him in terms of how he navigated the NFL during those 80s years into you know the league that we have today.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's you know there was a lot of changes there but you know this class uh, this class as as the last class has a little bit more emphasis on more offensive linemen and defensive ends and I think that's where the stats are so not for, like, quarterbacks or running backs. So that's why sometimes we don't see a real, like, wow factor for them. But the idea that they, you know, like for uh, Alan Fanica, only miss one game. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of games played. to only miss one game. You know what I mean? So and playing on the Pittsburgh teams that obviously were championship caliber.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, and you're starting to see the offensive line start to get a lot of uh, recognition in there. You got Kevin Mowai also, great player, played for the Titans and the Jets. Um, you know, so they're starting to get their due, man. I, I I just like the way that this class is kind of shaping out. Um, and you also can't forget, um, did you already, you mentioned Isaac Bruce. I mean, come on, he, he needs to get in. I mean, just where is he? Is he like fourth on the list right now as far as receivers? I think he's fourth or fifth. There's no reason Isaac Bruce shouldn't be getting that. He should have been in by now. I mean, he's always in the top receivers. It's got to be a top 10 receiver of all time just by numbers alone. He is on the greatest show on turf. Uh, He's got the Super Bowl victory, he's got the Pro Bowls. There's really no reason to keep him out. I understand that there's a real backlog when it comes to putting wide receivers into the Hall of Fame. But listen, if you have the pedigree and you have the stats, you need to get in. And then you also throw in there Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens is number two. He's only behind Jerry Rice. Why was he not a first ballot Hall of Famer?
0: We already know why T.O. was not a first ballot because nobody likes him. Let's just be honest. Nobody likes him. Okay, and, and but you it's have... called
2: the NFL Hall of Fame, and and it shouldn't be the NFL Hall of you know who the hell gets along with the guy. Did he play on the field? You know what? There's a lot of guys in the NFL, who, I mean in the, in the Hall of Fame, who were awful, awful right. human beings. Right. I'm not going to start naming names because you know I'm not even all right. about that right now. But they have right. done a lot worse than Terrell Owens, just being an annoyance in the locker room, an annoyance to. Um, you know, to to, to our reporters and things like that. You know, yes. they, they've got guys hey, Croy, that come into serious legal. would be the, would
1: he be in the same lines as? Uh, let's not let let's not uh, put in Steve Smith because he's so much of a rant boy. Yeah, and
2: that, see that's the other part. So where do you draw the line? You know. Yeah,
1: but to him yeah, yeah. Steve,
2: Steve Smith. Smith
0: t- no, he t- well senior turned it around, and he, now he was, but but there's also a bit of a difference. Steve Smith, granted, other than punting his teammates a couple of times while well, he was down in Carolina, but he stayed in one team. He didn't travel around, and he wasn't cancerous at every single stop he made along the way. That's for number one. Number two, he got here to Baltimore, and the Steve Smith that just retired two days ago is not the same Smith that entered the league. You were actually able to see some true growth and development as a man and as a person. Terrell, you never got to see that growth, and you never got to see that, you know, awakening that, yes, you're great, yes, you're talented, but it's not all about you. And I'm not saying that Terrell Owens doesn't belong because you're right, he does. I'm just saying that we can't even begin to compare, you know, those two guys. You you just can't. Now, I will tell you someone who I would like to see go into the Hall of Fame who I think has been – grossly overlooked is Terrell Davis. If it were not for Terrell Davis, John Elway would not have those rings. And I think that it is a gross character of judgment that this man has been up 11 times and he's not going in because his career was cut short due to health concerns. Between him and think, Sterling Sharp... I think with, Terrell, I
1: think Davis, with Terrell Davis you have to look at... I think you have to look at in perspective um I, it's more of the writers i think an aspect of that which it shouldn't be but it is uh, he'll get in at some point uh, everybody assumes that because you've won the super bowl you get into the hall of fame it isn't, isn't the case but you, when you stack it like uh Troy was saying when you start stacking so many names and then you got to just start dissecting the worthiness of each player um, I'm, I'm assuming at that point it gets pretty tough. So you, you, I mean, if you had to write them down too and pick and choose uh, certain players that you have to put in, and you only have a limited amount of slots, it's a pretty tough job, I think, in itself.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree with that. But you know, there, I, and I hate to you know keep going about, but what about this guy? What about this? But, but here's the thing: when you look at Terrell Davis, not only did he win a Super Bowl, but he was one of five. NFL rushers that ran for 2,000 yards In one season um, You know, he he's had two Super Bowls And he was The, you know Basically the sole reason why they won that, that their, their Super Bowls John Elway did his part, okay But John Elway, the younger John Elway was there Before, but he just didn't Have a back like Terrell Davis And, you know, I just think You know, I know he only had 6,000 Yards, I believe um, you know, short career was cut short But then you can also look You know, a little bit further back In Gale Sayers Gale Sayers' career was cut short I think Gale Sayers only played five five or six seasons And, you know, he was Absolutely a short-fire Hall of Fame I mean, some guys It, it, should, it, it doesn't necessarily uh, You know, they want to play on the numbers And the stats and things like that I mean, some of it should be just an eye test Okay When you saw that guy on the field He was a man. It it was tough to stop that dude, man. And you had the game plan around him. You would almost rather have John Elway throw than have Terrell Davis run. And to me, that that to me signifies a surefire Hall of Famer. And
0: let's look at character. I know we said that we're talking about what's happening on the field, but for the very same reason that Terrell Owens is not in the Hall and was not a first and did not get – go in as a first-round ballot, which he truthfully, but based on his play alone, Terrell Owens definitely deserved to be a first-round ballot. But for the very same reasons why he did not get in, then those, if nothing else, should have been the reasons why Terrell Davis did get in. Because he has been a true ambassador for this sport and has carried and conducted himself, you know, just fabulously on and off the field. He was able to transition successfully Second career as a sports broadcaster, and you know, and is doing a great job with the NFL network. And, and I'm sorry, I just think that it is a huge, you know, miscarriage of justice. And the other person who I really would like to also see get in is Morton Anderson. You know, we talk about the players who don't get enough recognition. I'm sorry, the kickers, as a former soccer player, totally biased, but our kickers. Do not get the love that they deserve because we literally can do the research on how many times a Super Bowl was won or lost because of a kicker. Because if I remember correctly, the Patriots owe two of their rings to their liquor, the former liquor up kicker.
2: You know, no A-a-a-a. way.
0: Why do you say no way for kickers?
2: They have one job to do. What? That's
0: okay, but it matters if they. But if it, they don't get it done, it's a matter of who goes home with a Lombardi.
2: I'm not saying it's hey, uh, important. not Troy. I'm just. Troy. Saying, I am I'm going to saying... request
1: my punter to be in the Hall of Fame. He had a great season this year.
2: <laughs> the only
1: Pro Bowler on the team? No.
0: <laughs> Can no. I put him
1: for the Hall of Fame?
0: No. Of
2: course. No. Why not? No. no. Oh, we're just letting good people. No, know. Go. And, and no,
0: and no, and no, no, no. I'm listen. don't besmirch. if the kickers weren't relevant they wouldn't be on the field.
2: No, I'm not questioning their relevance. I'm saying that so they're, they're important. For... I'm just saying I'm just saying they're not <laughs> hall of fame worthy. They have one yes, job to do. They That's
0: are. It. Yes. But if they don't do uh, it, I think they Martin Anderson is Hall of Fame them.
1: worthy. I think he's he's, he's got sorry, the numbers. They... Janikowski, yes. There's a Janikowski. couple there's a couple kickers that are worthy. Uh I'm I'm and pretty sure the know, others I'm, are probably not as worthy. But there are some, you can kick. count them in, a, in one hand pretty much throughout history.
0: Okay, well, a quarterback has one job to do, too. Throw the no, ball. No, he does
2: not. He hand the ball. To do.
0: <laughs> I know that. I'm just – the <laughs> point of the matter <laughs> is – No. Oh, and and listen.
2: In Keisha, you're are you drunk? The quarterback
0: has
1: it. more no. stuff to do. The The kicker just has that. to lace his boots and – and probably test out a Not net where he can kick it. And then that
0: position. there's a win factor, know, probably, to think about. I, I tell you they what, a every, time, like every, the whole time, three every time Tom Brady looks at two of those rings, he got to kiss the kicker. That's all I'm going to tell you. i bet Tom you, I'll, rings, tell you what, I, I'll, I'll tell you I'll what. You I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll bet you the Oakland Raiders sure would have liked Vinatieri to have missed. I bet you the Oakland Raiders sure wish he hadn't – Vinatieri hadn't been as good as his job as he was. I bet you the okay, Oakland here, Raiders feel that way. Here, here, here's, nope. Here's nope. My thing.
2: I know here's, the Rams wished he here's missed. My thing. Here, here's my thing. Okay. If Vinatieri – if Tom Brady would have come out on the field, right, they got the ball at the 20, and Tom Brady had to drive all the way down the field just to get in the range for him to kick it. Okay, so let's just say this. Let's just say that the they started on the 20. Tom Brady, right? They went three and out But then Vinatieri comes on the field Oh my gosh are you kidding me They're going to kick this a 80 yard field goal And Vinatieri kicked an 80 yard field goal Put him in the hall of fame right there But don't put tell me That the guy belongs in the hall of fame Because he kicked a field goal After everybody did all their hard work For 59 minutes And, 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 and 56 seconds I don't want to hear that they're not Hall of Fame, and if he can't, if they're trying to put Morton Anderson in before they put Brian Mitchell in, who played all kinds of special team positions, now Andy I agree. Brian back, Mitchell Andy definitely should be in. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I, I, I disagree. Brian
0: yeah. Brian Mitchell definitely deserves to be in. I think it's a, a tragedy that he also has not been respected yeah. because special teams doesn't get the respect again that they deserve as well.
1: Cool. Oh, who's Brian Mitchell? What? Really?
2: <laughs>
0: you don't know B Mitch? B Mitch, I have nothing to do with this. Okay, so B Mitch, if you're listening, I want you to know, bud, I have nothing to do with this. So when, when, hey, um, when Oscar,
2: Oscar, wait, when I was Oscar posts this, all, with,
0: I was yeah, classic
2: troll, Oscar. Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: So B Mitch, <laughs> when this gets posted to my Facebook page, please do not unfriend me because of Oscar, because that's not cool. <laughs> And I'm a Cowboys fan. Don't you get me unfriended on Facebook. That was was awesome. No, but but seriously, B. Mitch is another example of someone who has given so much to the sport, redefined the value and the position and the importance of a special teams player. You know, because so often, again, that's another area that's overlooked is the special teams. And, you know, we clearly know the special teams are important. So I, But I'm just going to say I, I absolutely would love to see Morton Anderson go into the hall. I would. I absolutely if, would.
2: If the guy who has only he – is he's only behind Jerry Rice in total yards. If he doesn't get in, I don't want to hear nothing about no kickers getting in. Brian Mitchell first, then let all the kickers in you want. That's
1: it. Yeah, you're very firm on your stance. So, uh, do you want to start a change.org <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> petition? <laughs> no kickers Boy, allowed. Anderson's see what kind of receptive you get. I'm pretty sure it'll be like a very high percentage for you. To...
2: All I'm sure. saying is, he does,
1: the more hey, Anderson deserves to that? get in. Look. He just deserves to get in. Still... Uh, I mean, he's got the numbers. He's in. put in the time. Uh, he doesn't have the Super Bowl rings, which bears the question. Do you really get in with Super Bowl rings? Because if that's the case, then obviously Terrell Davis should have been in a long time ago.
2: He doesn't have the playoff victories. He doesn't even have that. I mean, you know, he uh, well. He's got he got a square he to, foot. He He's got Bowl. a square foot that made
1: him made him happy.
2: Didn't he make it to the Super Bowl with the Falcons? I believe that was he did at
1: one point. Yes. Yeah.
2: So I mean, all right, I I'll give him that. And he did kick the winning field goal in the championship game to put him in the Super Bowl. I give him that. All right. So, you I can change my mind. Like thing. I said, it's
1: only, there's only a handful no that you can actually you. say they're worthy right. to be in the hall. There's only a handful. So, it's yeah, if kickers, really,
2: really, really, really If
1: you had, to take, if you had to take a position player over the kicker, I would say the position players should be valued a lot more than the kicker, to Troy's point.
2: Yeah. I, I, I definitely, yeah. I'm with you on that. All right, Heineken for everybody. We're all in
0: agreement agreement on that, absolutely. I just, you know, like I said, I just want to make sure that we are not leaving them out, that's all.
1: No, no, we we won't. I mean, they're on the bench. They got their uh, fur coat and cover, and they get the whistle when they have to go up there and do their thing. So they get fair treatment, (laughs) and they get a nice, hefty contract. Hey, I'm—I oh, yeah. I would be the only one on wait, this panel to say, not to debate that because my punter and they stay was way worthy longer. to be in the Pro Bowl.
0: Okay, wait—they stay healthier longer and they get to have longer careers too.
1: Well, yeah, if you're sitting right next to the, you know, the warm bun, which is a seat over there, and you only have to come out when you need to, of course your longevity is longer.
2: Sure. Yeah,
1: sitting on the bench, eating sure. hot right. dogs. See
0: at how y'all cut it? Yeah. See like how y'all cut it?
1: We're, we're not going to win this debate. This it. is a soccer nope. loyalist. She's not gonna, we're yep. not going to win this debate.
0: Nope. Yeah. You sure are not. Anyways, <laughs>
1: um, let's, hey guys, let's talk Don Coriel, offensive mind. I mean, we have to talk about this guy. He brought in a very good culture uh, in San Diego. Uh, wasn't a very good, you know, in terms of a coach wins and stuff like that in championships or playoffs, but he did bring it up an element of offensive uh, excellence. So uh with Dan Fouts and, and the San Diego Chargers, um so I mean uh, should should be a shoe in at this point, don't you think?
2: Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up, man, you know, when I first started watching football. I you know, I just, you know, was watching games and you're seeing people run and, you know, running the ball and stuff like that. And that was cool. But then I turn on, and I'm watching San Diego. I'm watching these guys just throw it all around the yard. I'm like, man, who is this? Is Dan Fouts? You know, Dan Fouts, he's out there throwing. He's got Chuck Muncie. He's got Wes Chandler. He's got Kellen Winslow. Um, you know, at, at some point, he had James Brooks out there. I mean, this guy has so many weapons. Uh, John Jefferson. He has so many weapons to throw to. It was just like wow, it was just it was a absolute show to watch. I mean, this dude would put on a show. He they probably had arguably the greatest playoff game of all time when San Diego went down to Miami and they went into that overtime game and they beat Miami the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs in the Orange Bowl where they had to basically carry Kellen Winslow off the field. I think they had over a thousand yards total of offense between the two teams. It, it was just a great, great game. It's an absolute NFL classic. The only reason that Don Coryell didn't get that team to the Super Bowl is because the very next week, it's crazy. The, the weather that they had to deal with—you had to go down to the Orange Bowl, and even in January. I think it was like 80, like 89 degrees down there. And so then they went to the AFC Championship game and where they had to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The coldest game in NFL history. It was 48 below 0 at this game. Okay? San Diego Chargers playing in 48 below 0 weather. It was a it, it was it was crazy. It was a nightmare. And and that's the only reason that they didn't make it to the Super Bowl cuz they had to play in that crazy weather up there in Cincinnati. I really think that they would have won that Super Bowl. Um, they would have beat. I think they would have beat the Forty ers I think they would have out. I think they would have threw the Forty ers and I just think it would have just been an a absolute classic. And also, you got to give Don Coryell so much credit because he also um, helped spawn Joe Gibbs, who was already a Hall of Fame uh, coach. So all credit due to Don Coryell in the '80s. Man, he was he was an absolute pioneer at the time and everyone wanting to copy his offense, I personally think he definitely needs to get in. Yeah, he
1: definitely deserves to get in. Um, Warner, I think Warner gets in uh, probably this time around just because of the fact that he's got the hardware, uh, the way he took his team, you know, from, like, basically the way he, he brought the team and took it with Vermeer. Um I think he gets in. Isaac, you can debate a little bit. Uh, Owens, you can debate both of them because you have to maybe pick and choose. Or there might be two wide receivers that come in, so it might be both of them coming into the same grouping. Um, running backs here, I mean, it's just not much running backs, I don't think, in, in this class anyways. But uh, Ty Law and uh, and Brian Hawkins, I mean, those, I mean, those were obviously stellar
2: players. Yeah, Ty Law, great corner in New England, you know, he was it was their, their shutdown corner up there, also a Michigan uh graduate, of course, Guy, Ty Law. The guy was awesome. Oh, I mean, there you go. <laughs> he made some good <laughs> plays. I mean, I'm gonna tell you one guy who will attest to how good he was, and that was Peyton Manning. He gave That's Peyton true. Manning fits for years. For That's years. True. And he was one of the very few cornerbacks who didn't play that Deion style of defense where he would do the pass coverage and Deion wouldn't tackle, but this dude would come up and he will light you up. And you got to love the way Todd Law played. I mean, he was a, one of those consummate Belichick players where he did everything right. He did everything great. To me, he's a hall of famer. Um, he may not get in now because it's so logged up with the, with the finalists that they have here. But I think eventually he will get in. And I think you could say the same thing with John Lynch. Most yeah. of the time, if you're looking at John Lynch, you see a guy who was just roaming the secondary and was lighting people up. And this is the era for you young kids out there where you are allowed to just smoke somebody. If they came into your, your area, you'll probably and never see the safety being able to hit that hard again. Yeah. Never. So, John Lynch, man, what man he, this
0: dude. Yeah, what he did, he, especially he, with the Denver Broncos, that's oh my God, this mega statement.
2: Yeah, and then, you know, what he really cut his teeth with Tampa Bay where he was they had a Hall of Famer at every level. You had Derrick yeah. Brooks at the linebacker position, and then you had Warren Sapp at the defensive tackle, and then you had, uh, you had John, John Lynch, Lynch back there along with Rondé Barber in the secondary, who I think eventually should get in also Rondé Barber. Yeah. out to him.
0: Um, Absolutely. But, man, what
2: a team that they had. And turn around that franchise, that franchise who hadn't won anything the last time that the they were close to the Super Bowl. Was when they played the Rams in '79, and you know, and the Rams ended up winning that game and going on to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it, it was just a fantastic, just to see them turn it around. They were the, the big underdog story, and to see them build that team up.
0: But shout and, out to you know, Coach Dungy because he really put that yeah. team together between him and um, Lord, I just, his name just went right out of my head just that fast. He was coaching the Bucks. No, not Gruden, the one who was coaching the Bucks last year. Um, You know, because he was working with yeah Levy between him, Levy Smith, and then um, Marinelli. I mean, that they what they created down there in Tampa, especially in the defense with the Tampa two cover. Mike Tomlin was down there too. Yep, and that's what I'm saying. We always talk about the school of, um, you know, the evil empire, And, and in all honesty. You know, when he, when he was at the Cleveland Browns, we talk about all of the great coaches that came out from Belichick that he had surrounding him in Cleveland, Ozzie Newsom who went to the Ravens, Belichick going to um, the Patriots, you've got Nick Saban down there in Alabama, but we also – don't give enough credit to everyone who was under Tony Dungy and what he put together. And I don't give Don, John Gruden credit for that because when Tony Dungy was putting together that Tampa Bay team, John Gruden was out there with the Oakland Raiders. He walked. In, he he pulled. Um, God, whatever. Uh, he he walked into he walked into that. He walked into that seat just the way Jimmy Johnson put his team together. Barry Switzer walked into that. We just happened to get another Super Bowl underneath him. Yay. For our three, but Barrett Switzer walked into that. He didn't put that together like Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Johnson put that together. And that's the same way I feel about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tony Dungy put that team together, and John Gruden was just able to capitalize off of what Tony Dungy hard work. But I'll tell you another person who we haven't talked about um, that I think is someone who we might want to give some consideration to. But you know, if we were talking about not enough running backs. You got Edgar and James, who's um, up again. For the Hall, and there was one other person who I wanted to mention his name went right out of my head. um well, you already talked about Isaac Bruce, so I know they had to make you happy, Oscar, but yeah, um, Edron James is another one, you know, I think I was so hurt for him that he left the Colts and then they go to the Super Bowl, just like just like Barber, just like um Tiki left the Giants, and then the next year they go win the Super Bowl. that just got hurt. that's gotta hurt,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's got a bite. Really that's got to sting. Uh it's, it's but it's the way it is and I think that's where uh like Tori's point is, like Edrin James probably not going to get in for a while because of the fact no. that you got so much more talented players. I mean, you got Tomlinson coming in this time. Uh you talked about Terrell Davis as well. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like way above anything he's done. So it'll be a while. I mean, if he gets in, it'll be for oh, your yeah. age and probably, you know, admiration for playing under Peyton Manning for the most part. But, hey, um, Troy, Jason Taylor pretty, pretty much set the tone and really brought life to Miami, especially after, you know, some of the down years after Marino. So, he was probably one of the bright spots for the Dolphins.
2: Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing is when he was drafted, I mean, people looked around like, are you serious? I mean, you you drafted a yeah. pole. I mean, this guy was 6'6". Out of Akron, Ohio. Man. Yeah, about six six, about two hundred thirty pounds. He was skinny, fine. frail. I was, I don't know about all that, but um, you know, he's just, you know, he's a skinny guy. You know, and so you say you you gonna do what with this guy? Pull him a defensive end, okay? Well, you know, you figured he was gonna get pushed around a little bit. He came out from day one and was just kicking ass. I mean. It was impossible to block him off the edge. And then he actually, you know, uh, the NFL, you know, and this is a cliche, so I'm going to go ahead and use a cliche for a cliche. The NFL is a copycat league. And so what happened was teams started to take notice how good this kid was. And so the next thing they said, you know, we got to find us some tall guys with long arms because you don't have to necessarily be the strongest guy and the fastest guy. But if you can keep the arms off you when you're swimming around that edge, You know, you can get some sacks. So he really started to set the tone because, I mean, before that, I mean, you had guys that were lining up at defensive end and looked like Howie Long and uh, Reggie White. Reggie White was 6'5", 300 pounds. So compared to Jason Taylor, I mean, you look at Jason Taylor, everybody thought he was a wide receiver. But, I mean, he he was effective. He was, you know, just he was brilliant. The guy forced fumbles. NFL defensive player of the year. You got to put that in there. When you have all of those accolades that goes along with it, Now, he didn't get the Super Bowl, but he had NFL defensive player of the year as a defender. To me, it's like puts you in a different era. That puts you in a different category. Definitely would like to see Jason Taylor make it.
1: Let's talk about Ronda Rossi before we go into college here. um, UFC 207, big hype. It was coming in, and I know everybody was involved with it. I know it's off football, but the big storyline here is she was she was the ufc in terms of money making even with the men's cards on on the docket uh Keisha, i'll ask you do you think based on how the outcome came do you think she at this point now needs to regroup with different coaches or does she just hang up and you know leave her legacy as it was with the you know two minimal losses but with the great uh, high um, you know build up that she did for the women's sports uh, in terms of the ufc
0: I think that especially to be an MMA fighter, for Ronda Rousey to go out with two losses under her belt is not going to sit well with her. Um, And and you're right. You know, MMA was already on the rise and everything, and, and MMA already had its own style. It has its own fan base. But for some reason, Ronda Rousey helped MMA do this crazy crossover into mainstream sports and she helped put the women's sports on the map in a way that other female fighters have not been able to do previously. I mean, even Leila Ali when they were when they had women's boxing, she still could not create that kind of excitement and endurance. And then on top of that, Ronda Rossi had the that celebrity star factor. You know, she wasn't able to she wasn't just an MMA fighter. But she was also able to transfer that over into, you know, an acting career, commercials, you know, uh, and other venues that a lot of other MMA uh, fighters were not quite doing. There was uh, – Jackson was able to do it. You know, I think he passed away Um and a couple of other people, but for whatever reason, she helps to bring the sport to a certain level of prominence. So for her to go out like this, I, I just don't see it happening, but I honestly don't think that she's ready for this new level of female. You know what they say about football, the, the sport keeps getting bigger, faster, stronger, and, you know, if you can't keep up, you're going to get knocked out, just like Tiger. These new golfers, Aren't scared of Tiger. They, five years ago, they stopped being in awe of him, and I think that's where the female fighters are now. No one's scared of Ronda anymore because they know she can be beaten.
1: Hey, Troy, think- if you take Amanda Nunez, she came in with the one simple game plan, and I think she took the Holmes game plan thoroughly. But I just, I when I looked at that forty-eight seconds, and you replay uh, the forty-eight seconds, the first impact shot that she took to the upper head. You could tell that she just got freaked out, in a, and when you go slow motion, she really went into jelly mode. Her hands weren't even up for protection. Her body sort of just, you know, just basically shut down or something like that because she was really shocked. And so I think right now, either she has to regroup with a new trainer because whoever's training her obviously did not coach her well enough to understand that between homes and newness. They're really top-notch, uppercut fighters, more so than anything, uh, and some, with some uh, martial arts included. But for the most part, pretty bull-nosed boxing-style a- attitude, and she got nailed rocked pretty fast So for 48 seconds. I mean, I, I know the first one was embarrassing and how she went off the offseason and everything else and how she took a while to do that. Uh, what's your feeling now? Is she going to rebound quicker, or is she going to take another year off?
2: No, I, I think she's actually going to be done. Um and, and I say that because of this. And I I don't want her to be done. I'm a fan of Ronda Rousey. I I love the way that she competes. I mean, I, I love the fire that she had in the two losses if you guys look at it. It's not just that seed loss. It's not just that she got beat up. But she got beaten up mentally. And you already alluded to that, Oscar, because when she took that first shot, you saw it. You saw it. I mean, I don't know if you guys, you know, have ever been in a fist fight before. But sometimes, you know, when they say you hit a bully and then you start to see the tide change, and and that's what happened. I mean, when she got hit, it was just like she, she woke up and said, oh, snap, this is about to get real. I'm not ready to take a punch like that. And you, you see that all the time. I mean, you you see that with um, back in the day when you were Roy Jones, right? Roy Jones could not be touched. You would, you know, throw a punch at Roy Jones. He would slip the punch. But when Roy Jones was unable to slip the punches anymore, you saw his confidence wane because you knew that he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't built to take punches like that. And it's the same with Ronda Rousey. I mean, she's dominated for so long; she wasn't even used to taking any kind of punishment like that. And the last two fights that we've seen her in, she took some severe punishment. And not to mention, she's extremely proud, and to get beaten like that twice. I mean, I think the first time she kind of went into a deep depression. I would, I don't even want to even fathom, you know, where she's at now because she just doesn't take it well. She doesn't take it like when some lose some. She, her whole mantra is to dominate and to win, and that's what she's used to. And she's lost two straight fights in devastating fashion. I just think, just with that from a mental standpoint, I don't think she's going to be able to recover. I think she's going to have to. I think, honestly, she'll find some some other kind of route for her. Maybe she could just go acting full-time, but I don't think you're going to see her in the ring at all. Hey,
1: Kishi, the the build-up to this was, I I thought of it as a real insult for Nunes because it was hashtag fear the return. The whole build-up, the whole spectacle was really about Rossi. You know what I mean? Even though she is coming off a loss, uh, UFC, I think, did a disservice to her primarily yeah. and a, a total slap to the face of Amanda who had literally taken mm-hmm. off homes has proven herself, you know, to be a valuable champion. And I think if you're in the background in the, in the locker room, I know if I was in the locker room and you're not hyping me up because I'm the one with the belt, I'd be pissed right. to come out to that octagon. And I think that's what she did. She really came up to make a statement and said, she's finished. She's done. And you hear, and you heard her yell, she's done. Because, you know, she came out with anger, basically.
0: Oh, yeah. She was out. Yeah, absolutely. And I I agree. I think that, you know, when you're the champ, you're supposed to be the one they're hyping up. And Troy's not going to like me for this, but in so many ways it reminded me of the hype up for the return of RB3 all in and whatever that, you know, slogan was that Nike did. And he wasn't even in two games. Before he was out again, so uh, I think that sometimes when you no trolling, no trolling, just just facts. But I think that sometimes the hype is greater than anything else, and 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 um, who is the hype for? You know, because obviously the hype did Rhonda a great disservice because now she's hyped and now she's embarrassed and she's gone back into hiding. So sometimes the hype is is too much and just, you know, for the money, no. And I agree with Troy. I think she's going to go into a funk and a depression. But Troy said something that was really critical. Ronda Rousey beat people with dominance. She didn't beat people with style and she didn't beat people with skills. Do you know what I'm saying? Like everything about her was just dominate, dominate, dominate. And if she didn't dominate you in the beginning of the match, then eventually you were going to be able to wear her down, but having been gone a year, I think that was just way too much time for, her, and her body wasn't used to those kind of punches.
1: Troy, it, you know WWE is always a good setting for former boxers and and all that. Do you think she she ends up over in, in McMahon's land?
2: No, I don't. Um, I think I think honestly for someone who competes. Who has competed at that level, whether it be boxing or MMA or, um, you know, I just think that stepping, what I would say, stepping down to, uh, you know, basically a very physical style of acting would be a slap in the face to them. Now, it would be, be good money, obviously, but I just think that they would have, they would choose a better quality of life. I mean, listen, WWE is tough. It is tough, and it is a weekly thing where you're on the road probably out of 365 days, you're on the road about 340 of them. So it is an absolute grind, and I think that fighters are used to going in the gym, sparring, getting your workout in, going home, and that's their that's their thing, and then they fight you know, every six to nine months, whatever that is, and that grind for the WWE is just a little bit too much. That, that grind is definitely not for everyone. And I just don't think that they would – anybody in their position who has fought at that level, especially at a top championship performance level, I don't think that they will do anything WWE long-term. She may show up for, you know, a cameo here and there, but nothing long-term.
1: All right. Um, and, Kishi, look at the, NF- the NFC picture here. Let's go into that right now. Um, Your Cowboys secure, basically. So who do you see coming out to challenge them?
0: Lord, unfortunately, I think it's the Green Bay Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is on a hot streak right now. And when he gets on that roll, I can't lie, he's he's dangerous. So, you know, uh, truthfully, we're going to have to see the two teams. We're going to have to see one of the two teams that I don't want to see. I don't want to see the Giants, and I don't want to see the Green Bay Packers, you know. But, unfortunately, that's the luck of the draw, and that's so we're going to have to face one of them, and they aren't who I want. Um, I don't think that the Falcons are going to um, beat Seattle. Um, and I'm trying to remember who else is playing. Detroit. They don't have the schedule out in
2: front of me. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit and Seattle.
0: Yeah, Detroit and Seattle. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't see Detroit beating Seattle, and I don't see the Falcons um winning out either. Well no, I'm sorry. I do see the Falcons, yeah, because they're they they do not have to play yet. I don't see the Lions beating the Seahawks and I see the Packers beating the Giants.
2: Um you know what what do you see Troy? What do
1: you, who you got on who you gotta to finish to uh I think Aaron Rodgers made a statement uh given the fact that Did he we he counting them out Remember, everybody's counting
2: yeah. No, when Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers said, you know, we're going to go ahead and run the table, and then he did it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That guy's guy the best in the world, man. He's the best in the world. He's the best quarterback. And that's why I'm man. telling you. I don't want to. I don't want to see
0: them again. This stage, not this Aaron Rodgers. This Aaron Rodgers is not the Aaron Rodgers that we beat in the beginning of the season.
2: You, you know what, though, um, with the with the NFC playoffs. I, I'm I'm going to go a little different path here. So brace yourselves. You heard it here first.
0: Oh, Lord.
2: I'm saying that the Detroit Lions will beat the mm. Seattle Seahawks.
1: Ooh. I'm calling it right now. I I'm like inclined to, to go with you. I'm inclined to go with you because I think Bolton is ready for the next level. He's He went there. Tate understands where they've yep. been with Seattle. Uh, I think Stafford is hungry to prove something yep. there and i think the franchise and the ownership really wants to elevate to another level seattle i think really has issues on defense some you know injuries okay. at that point the running back the running game is not they're all there and wilson That's is true? not as he was before so edge would be detroit if they're hungry enough to know that they they one step closer to uh, the nfc championship
0: yeah, but aren't, yeah, I, but aren't but aren't the lions playing in Seattle? You guys know how hard it is to win.
2: I I, I do, but here's the thing out there. That Seattle has man proven
0: is them, no
2: joke. Se, Seattle has proven themselves very beatable this year That's in true. Seattle, and so That's they, true. They, they now listen. It's still Seattle, and they still compete. And you're right; that home field advantage is daunting because and and when the playoffs start, that crowd gets to a whole another level.
1: And oh, then not to mention,
2: like, line. a lot of cities that you go to, a lot of cities that you go to, like, if you go to a Redskin game, you're going to see your smattering of Giants fans. You're going to see your Cowboys fans. You're going to see Eagles fans. When you're in that Northwest, nobody from right. Detroit is traveling over there.
0: They gonna sure are not. There's going to be nothing
2: but Seahawks fans. And they're going to be loud.
0: And, and they're going to be
2: obnoxious. But here's the deal. And this is the flat-out truth. Just like Oscar said, their defense has been struggling, man. Ever since Earl yeah. Thomas went out,
0: Absolutely. has a problem,
2: man. It's been a problem. And it, 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 who knows, is it, Bennett going to play? They're, well, they, you know, and you know, if
0: this will be actually interesting to see, Will, because in as much as we don't talk about it, so many people view Richard Sherman as more, you know, him and Camp Chancellor, they view them as the face of the boom. But with Earl Thomas gone, they lost the heart of the boom. You know what I'm saying? And so many well, and people also, focus on the face, and so this is going to force Richard Sherman to have to really step his game up, as you know, to become equal to his mouth.
2: Yeah, but then from a schematic standpoint, just look at it like this: they're not going to test Richard Sherman a whole lot, okay? So on that other side, where you got Jeremy Lane and you got Shed over there, these guys—they better put their seatbelts on, and and they're going to go right at him. Here's the other and part it's not
0: like Richard's going to run across the other side of the field either, because that's now that's his weakness, though. If he would figure out how to play both sides of the field, then that would make him a true threat. But as long as someone's going to throw to your side, then that makes you less of a threat and 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 you know to your to your team.
2: Well, that's, that's just the schematics that they have. I mean, he plays, the you know, the left quarterback position, and, you know, they really don't move him around. They're starting to move him around a little bit this year, but as to your point, no, they don't move him. I mean, he's pretty much stationary on that side. But with Earl Thomas being out, Earl Thomas was a guy who you could set up with that cover three that they run. And so Earl Thomas would basically play the center field position. And if somebody threw a deep ball, he had enough speed and enough range yep. to go over and make that play to help out. Well, they don't have that now. And you saw that the last few games where a team like San Francisco had them on the ropes.
0: Yeah, that was crazy.
2: Right. I'm like, what are they they,
0: fighting for?
2: Yeah, and then, you know, they also lost to the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are in the down years. So when you see, when I see that, and maybe they get it together this week, and maybe they go on one of those vaunted Seattle runs, but I just think that Detroit has enough on offense, and they can make enough plays on defense, I think they can beat the Seattle Seahawks. I'm calling it right here. Seattle's just not okay. healthy enough. Pro sites may come back this week, but they can't run the football either. Their offensive line is absolutely atrocious. they probably the worst yep. offensive line in football right now. I just think Seattle is ripe for the taking.
0: I'm not going to disagree and with you guys. I think that you're right. The only reason why I gave them the edge strictly and truthfully, just because they're playing in Seattle and also Agreed. because Detroit yep. is a dome team, they're going to be out in the weather, in the element. And, you know, this is, you know, when you are coming out of the nice, comfort dome, it, it does make a difference. You know, how many people talk about could Peyton play in cold weather? You know, that, that that weather, it gets in your body, it gets in your bones. You know, we always talk about the weather as a factor. So between the weather... In the location, that's the only reason why I give the edge to Cleveland, I mean to Seattle, and it's only a small edge. It's not a great edge that I'm giving Seattle, but I think everything else that you're saying is definitely right. And Golden Tate, you know, he's got that that chip on his shoulder. He wants to go back into Seattle, and he wants to go back in and say you messed up by letting me go. So you know, he's got that on his shoulder. So yeah, he's coming out hungry.
1: I just really think right now Detroit is prime because Bolton wants to, to get a championship. Tate already had a taste of a championship. Yeah. And Stafford is really his moment. This is his best season he's ever had so far. Absolutely yeah. so what better way
0: he has to, to knock off Seattle that,
1: and go to the yeah. and go up against maybe uh Aaron Rodgers. But he's
0: also not <laughs> prove yourself. I heard that. I'm ignoring you. I'm ignoring you. But um he, but he's not knocking off Seattle in their prime, but he's also taking this opportunity to justify the first draft pick and all that money that he got. So, yeah, he's trying to not be another statistical first-round bust. So I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. I agree with everything you said. Like I said, my edge to Seattle is so slight. It's so slight. <laughs> it's like
1: 55-45. So, Kishi, um, you, did, you, uh, did you say you had to go early, or are you still hanging out?
0: Yeah, I do. Uh schools back in session, boys. What did they say the boys awesome. are back in town. So, uh yeah, got to uh got to g- get the little people ready cuz I they think they're slick trying to sneak back in and get water every 2 seconds. You know how that goes. But uh yeah, oh, yeah. I'm definitely yeah, I got to got to hammer down for the night, but um I definitely cannot wait to hear um, and I'll be listening to you guys so I can hear Troy's uh, picks and, and what he thinks about the. Uh, oh wait, wait! Before we go, before I go, you gotta talk Nick Saban firing Lane Kiffin. That was so funny. Ah. I gotta get. I gotta hear Troy's take on that before I go.
2: Okay, so here's the deal. Um, Lane Kiffin is a guy who has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, Al Davis. Held a press conference just to call him a liar. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. hilarious. Um, Tennessee got rid of him. Well, he left Tennessee to go to USC for his dream job for, you know. And then they leave time, him at the airport. Third time. Yeah. And then, yeah, they left him. USC had to fire him. He's – he is – the the reason why he's leaving now, okay, is because he and Nick Saban don't see eye to eye. He is one of those guys where he, uh, he being Lane Kiffin, he can't hold his tongue. He has to say what he has to say. and uh, You see it all throughout the, the season when you're watching an Alabama play. Alabama could be up 28 to nothing. And then you would show a shot of Nick Saban, and he's chewing Lane Kiffin's ass out. And it's the funniest thing because – Lane Kiffin actually has done a great job. You know, when you look at Jalen Hurts, when you look at the the Alabama quarterbacks, the last three years, you've had literally three different types of guys.
0: And you you mentioned that, that they're all unknowns,
2: Right, right. But Lane Kiffin still managed to tinker that offense to seek their strong suits. And so you look at a a kid like Jalen Hurts now, where he came into the season as a freshman, and he was a running quarterback. He wasn't very adept at throwing. But as you've gone further in the year, you see Jalen Hurts a lot more comfortable throwing the football, but he still has that great athleticism. The kid's a power lifter, so he's already strong, so they're not afraid to run him on quarterback draws and and options and things like that. Things that you didn't see last year from that team, when you had a drop-back quarterback, you know, so to watch Lane Kiffin he obviously knows offense but his problem is relationships and so to for Lane Kiffin to come out maybe a month ago and say that well after he got the Florida Atlantic job to come out and say you know I'm going to stick through you know through the championship and you know at the end of the championship then I'll go ahead and you know start my duties with Florida Atlantic well Nick Saban comes out this week and says you know what we're just going to go ahead and cut ties you know, he's going to go ahead and take this FAU job, and this is a mutual agreement. This is IE saying, I have a problem with Lane Kiffin, and you know what, let's just go ahead and cut bait now, let drunk Steve Sarkeesian take over, and he'll call the plays from this point on. That is unprecedented. You, don't, you typically don't see that. And so Lane Kiffin had to have gotten under his skin enough, whether it had been um, he wasn't happy with the performance last week uh, against Washington where they won 24-7. to or whether it be he felt like Lane Kiffin wasn't doing enough for preparation up to this championship championship game and doing double duty but also still doing his job um, with recruiting with Florida Atlantic. So Nick Saban just went ahead and said, you know what, we're going to end this right now. Let's cut ties and we'll both move on our separate ways.
1: And that's a fact right there because that's that's been his pattern So now it's like, just cut the men's. I mean, there's really no need for it. I mean, he needs to go where he needs to go, and the coach can do without. I mean, he's already in the national championship.
0: Yeah, but isn't – I mean, Nick Saban, though, is known for his consistency. You know, that's what everybody keeps saying. You know, this is a guy who's all about patterns and routines, patterns and routines, patterns and routines. He's always minimizing everything. Keep, you know, he's so Bill. You know what? He he's the Bill Belichick of college football. Man, a few words, just get in, play. You know, I mean, because we already, you know, like I said, you know, he was part of the Belichick uh, regime that they had in Cleveland before they just, you know, blew the ship up and then. Um,
2: he he was also there to, with uh, with Bill Parcells in New York for the New York Giants. So that's part of that Parcells tree. They all are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, yeah, they all did just, you know, they're all about just do the work, head down, mouth closed, do the work, let the play speak for itself. So, you know, that's why, that's why I really wanted to get your take, but in terms of why someone who is so notoriously disciplined would do something this drastic before the national championship.
2: Lane Kiffin will make you do things that you normally don't do. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying it's just true. like that. Very true. Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic. Buyer beware. That's all I'm gonna say. That that guy yeah. right there. Oh, yeah. He's he's, a, he's something else, man.
0: Well, Take the fact that he's bounced around so much. Yeah, the fact that he's bounced around so much made me question why anyone would give him another chance. But then obviously he had to go for a head coaching position someplace else because he knew that this thing was gonna blow up down there in Alabama. And who in the world was gonna give him um uh, who I mean, what was he gonna do? Go someplace else and be an assistant coach someplace else? I can't see that happening. So he he, he really didn't have that many choices. And wasn't he going up for the uh Texas job, I think it was, the Houston job, and they he they they decided to stay in house?
2: Yeah. Um initially they wanted to bring him in for an interview. Um and I think they just thought better about it and they decided to go with Major Applewhite. Um, who's a guy who's, you know, been in that program and Houston wanted to keep some consistency. They had a great season this year. And then all the baggage that comes along with Lane Kiffin, they wanted yeah. somebody who was gonna buy into that Houston program Lane Kiffin has a uh, he has a great history of not buying into anything and being pretty selfish when it comes to making decisions and also just making bad decisions and just having bad relationships. I just didn't think it would have been a good fit down there for the, in Houston, not to mention it not. anywhere in the state of Texas. The way that they look at football is, is absolutely
0: agnostic. yeah, they will run him out um, with pitchforks. So one last question, real quick, and and then I do have to run with um, speaking of. Uh, you know his history, and you mentioned and you talked about how great he's been. You know, down there in Alabama, but isn't he also not, um, known for not being a good recruiter? I mean, is so how is that going kind to of impact his ability? You know, in, in terms of turning around programs, because I mean, isn't you know he's known for working with players that are already in place, but I've heard you know that as a recruiter, that's not his strong suit. So is that true?
2: Well, when it comes to college recruiting, the thing that kids want to get sold on is access, and the one thing that Lane Kiffin does, with all his faults, what he does have is access, and he has access at both the NFL and the college level, but more importantly, would be the NFL level. So, what he would bad, sell right? kids on is number one, this is the this is the offense I'm going to bring in; it's going to get you this kind of exposure. Um, but I also know people in the NFL. Who you know, and that's the thing. It's it's a good old boy league. It's it's a reason why some players who you know you've probably never heard of who get drafted pretty high because they say, hey, listen, I want you to take a look at this kid. Just look at the tape. You may not have known him, and they send the tape up, and they're like, you know what, Dad, we didn't know about this kid, and all of a sudden he comes up, pops up on the radar. It's because somebody vouched for him. And so Lane Kiffin has those connections at the NFL level. He can sell that to these kids that are coming in, especially at a Florida Atlantic. It's a smaller school. What's the – and, you know, that will be the – what he's going to do, he's going to get kids who probably either want to transfer out of a bigger school like a Miami, like a Florida State, like a Georgia, you know, had a problem with a coach and he'll get some of those stars to come in because it is a lower level, but if you go down to a lower level, you don't have to sit out. So he'll get a lot of those kids along with the bench in the state former. Of Florida, cause it's a hot because it's a hot bed of recruiting in the state of Florida. So he's going to get some guys to come in there to play for.
0: Okay. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much. Well, gentlemen, I bid you adieu. And, um, you know, like Robert Mathis and – Steve Smith Sr., I'm out. I'll catch you guys on the flip side All next right. week. All right. All
2: goodbye, right, bye, everybody.
0: Coffin, go, to, go get some Zs. Man, I, I'm, I'm going to try. But I'm going to try after I finish getting everything ready for the little people for tomorrow. All right, guys, talk to you later.
1: All right. In case you have a good one. Enjoy it. Um, so, Troy, I mean – we we think that Detroit both of us consensus would be Detroit beating Seattle the giants uh kind of scare me because even though Rodgers has played so well up to this point do you think his luck's going to run out against uh the giants
2: that is an extremely intriguing game because you have the Green Bay Packers who are red hot um you know winners the sixth straight uh, NFC North champions now And the Giants Who are also red hot Defense is playing at a Clip where we are not used to seeing Their defense play at um, They are flying around the field They're making plays and they're about as confident As any group especially after beating What is you know Known as the best team in the NFL They beat them twice And it, and it wasn't you know and they, they handled that that Offensive Dallas pretty well and so when you look at the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants are figuring if we can take away some of what Aaron Rodgers does, we can beat this team. And But on the other side, I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers, is not like you're going to show Aaron Rodgers anything he hasn't seen before. He's, pretty, he's you know, between he's one of the, the number one or number two best quarterback in the NFL. He's seen it all. And so what he can do is he can buy times with by time with his legs, unlike a lot of the quarterbacks that they faced this year. So I just think that Aaron Rodgers poses a different problem to any other quarterback. So even though they did well against Dallas and they did well against a lot of other teams, I just think this presents a whole different problem for them. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers, especially in Lambeau. They don't have that same stigma up in Lambeau like they used to and not like a stigma that they have like in Seattle, but it's still a formidable place to play. It's extremely uncomfortable to play in that kind of cold. And I just think the elements right there are going to be the big equalizer. I just think that they end up pulling out this game.
1: Yeah, and if Eli, Eli shows up as he normally does in the playoffs, I think there will be the X factor right there because I said, you know, Rodgers, we already know he's proven. So it's just a matter of him not making mistakes. And uh, But the defense, I think, will carry the Giants if they go further into the playoffs especially if they get past uh, the Packers, which I I think it'll be a great game.
2: Yeah, and and that's the other part of it. You know, I I like to hear, you know, I'm reading the stories about Eli and how he's performing in the playoffs, and rightfully so. The guy's been, he's been a baller all over the years. But this Eli, this year's been different. What you haven't seen this year from Eli is the big plays. You don't see those, those big plays downfield as much as you used to. Most of the plays that they make, are just quick dumps and then letting you know uh, you know their great athletes at the wide receiver position start making plays for them. They're ne- they're not they're not good at the tight end position. They can't run the ball very well. And the biggest thing that they cannot do is they cannot protect Eli Manning. And the thing is that everyone knows that the thing about Eli Manning is if you get to him early, you can rattle him. And that's the biggest thing that the Packers are going to be able to do. Is Dom Capers going to put together a blitz Packers that's going to rattle Eli Manning pretty early in the game you start hitting this kid um well hitting this man around in the pocket he's going to start to you know start throwing errant passes is he going to be that Eli or is he going to be that dog that we've seen in the past that can just put the whole team on the shoulders and make big plays when he needs to I'm thinking that you're going to see the Eli that we've seen all year where you know he's going to take short passes because of that offensive line, and they can't pass block. But I just think that the Packers are going to try to – they're going to figure a way to get to him, and I just think that they're going to rattle him early.
1: Beckham and Shepard have not been really big factors or crews. So, on the wide receiver thing of things, they've been pretty quiet all all season. I just think the Packers really, um, you know, if they beat the Giants like they did in week week four – uh they would take on the Cowboys and that's gonna be a very interesting matchup if they get past the Giants. It would be Dak Prescott's biggest challenge obviously to take on Aaron Rodgers.
2: And that's only if Detroit if Detroit beats Seattle. Then yeah, then uh it'll be no, Aaron right, Rodgers exactly. against uh, exactly against, uh, against, Right. And I you know yeah, the, I Seahawks, the Seahawks anybody, are really
1: man. on the, the the Seahawks are really on the edge here because they're the ones, uh, you know, with the big, the bigger uh, responsibility here in in this wild card weekend, because they they, yeah, they got to win. Card. They're at home. If they don't win at home, then, like I said, a uh, awesome story for um, you know Detroit Lions fans who have been waiting forever to get to into a hot playoff you know situation.
2: Yep, exactly, Mayor.
1: All right, so Troy on the other side you got steel town okay and and the steelers have since since so far have resurged but then you've got the mess that you call i guess you know you got the texans as well you got the raiders uh questionable at the quarterback position um so it's just you know the afc sort of a lot a lot more of things to worry about than the nfc is pretty clear cut in some ways But the AFC is just, you know, sort of a questionable, especially with Osweiler and Texas. You know, is he going to show up? Is he going to really do something? Or is he going to be booted out of town in terms of this, you know, this weekend?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, with the Steelers and the Dolphins, I think the, the intriguing part of that matchup is, are the Dolphins going to play Tannehill? Or are they going to go with Matt Moore? I, you know what? In the past, you know, three, uh, maybe it's three or four games, Matt Moore's looked really good, man. I, I, you know, he's made some, he's made some great passes. You know, he can fit the ball in there sometimes. I think he's he's a he's a bit of a better passer than Tannehill is. And then you also have a guy like Jay Ajayi, who he's got three two hundred yard rushing games. The Steelers they know that, so they're paying attention to it. And the Steelers have not been the best defensive team this year. So this isn't the Steelers' defensive old. This is the you know the pass happy Steelers. Here, all right, this game actually might turn into you know yet you, you just have differences on both sides because I just think the Dolphins are want, going to want to try to keep the ball out of Roethlisberger's hands and you know with that all those weapons that he has on that offense and they're going to try to run the ball and is are the Steelers going to be up to the task? But I just think, man, that's the biggest thing. I hope, you know, if Tannehill plays, he plays. But I just think they should roll with the hot hand and go with Matt Moore. And then, you know, you got, of course, the X factor for me is Indominus. Su. Man, this dude uh, is, uh, again, under the radar because Miami doesn't get as much uh, publicity and spotlight. But all he's done was had a fantastic season again. And so he's going to, that defensive line that the Miami Dolphins have, with Cameron Wake, and then Dominican and Sue, and even um, uh, Mario Williams, who, you know, there's reports coming out that he's going to get cut and all of this stuff, but they can flat out get after you. And so I just think that's going to be a great matchup, very underrated to watch that that, uh, Dolphins defensive line go up against that Pittsburgh uh, offensive line.
1: It will be a very upsetting result if Pittsburgh loses, and, the, and will be an awesome ending to the season for the Dolphins, given Tannehill wasn't really the factor to get them into the playoffs. So I'm, I agree with you. I think they should just go with the hot hand quarterback in terms of Miami, because you're going against Roethlisberger, and even his backup played well last this past weekend. But if you can beat the Steelers, you are looking at uh, round one against Brady, or I'm sorry, round two against Brady and probably Alex Smith in the conference championship. So uh, Miami really has to come to play. And the Steelers somehow, um, Lavelle and company and Brown, they really need to come to seal it.
2: Yeah, and if, if, you know, if Pittsburgh ends up winning this game, which they're, you know, they're pretty favored to win that game, then they'll end up going to Kansas City. And, um, you know, then the winner of the uh, Oakland-Houston game will uh, will go to Foxborough. And that matchup right there, man, how, wow, man, from a quarterback's standpoint, and this is a quarterback-driven league, this has got to be pretty hurtful to watch, you know, Derek Carr break his leg and, oh, man, then you get Matt McLaurin who comes in there, he has experience, and he drops back to pass, and, you know, he injures his shoulder, and now you're going with the rookie, Michigan State's Connor Cook, Um, Kind of um, you've seen this happen maybe two years ago with the Arizona Cardinals where, you know, Carson Palmer got hurt and ended up starting, you know, their third string quarterback, you know, in there playing against the Panthers. So, you know, this is kind of reminiscent of that. They're down to their third string quarterback. And then if you look on the Houston Texans side, I mean, they got their starting quarterback who's playing like a fourth-string quarterback, Brock Osweiler, and now they're going to go ahead and start him. I'm at a loss. I just, you know, I mean.
1: Oakland Oakland really is just, the the you know, it's kind of like a bad fortune for them. Awesome season so far, and to have your quarterback just go down like that. Um, I don't know if, uh, was it McLean or Cook? We'll start Del Rio hasn't decided yet, but, um, you know, they might at this point, they were so poised to compete, you know, for the championship at this point, they're still in it, but I I just don't see, I don't see the Texans uh, getting up unless Osweiler has some sort of resurgence to beat the Raiders. The Raiders offensively are banged up injury wise. From what I hear, um, you got the offensive lines, not going to be so key. That's the reason that they, they didn't run Murray so much. And before they were relying so much on their passing game to get, to get the quick passes out. Now you don't have that option either. So they got a dilemma there in terms of Oakland. And, and, and uh, Houston does have a pretty good defense if you start ranking them the way we're ranking them right now in terms of the final, the final eight. So uh, oh,
2: absolutely. it's going to be a matter the of player, uh, Oakland and you're playing. You're playing right into the Texans' hands. I mean, if you're talking about we're just going to have to run Latavius Murray, well, that's uh, Houston would love nothing better for you to just go ahead and try to run the football because they know that's the truth, what you're going to do. So, and they can stop you even when they don't know what you're going to do. So this is you know this is playing right into Houston's hands. This matchup, uh, you know, it, they're going to have to. Oakland is going to have to get something from their quarterback, whoever the quarterback. Houston is, Houston wins. The place. they get.
1: Houston wins; they get TB twelve.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. don't know if
1: that's a a good deal. You and know what I mean? <laughs>
2: they, and they're and they're going right out to playoffs <laughs> that quick. Exactly. They, that quick. because <laughs> oh. they they are uh, if not. The, if the Raiders player. if the
1: Raiders win, uh, maybe it's the second coming of Jesus with Derek Carr somehow resurges and maybe they have a shot. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. There's no much miracle there, but. The Texans, I feel bad. If, even if they win, they get to go against TV 12, and TV 12 <laughs> has only one goal, and that's to put another championship under his belt. And I don't think he's going to be losing anytime soon, especially in Foxwood. No.
2: And he's definitely not losing sleep on that uh, that Houston team, I can tell you that.
1: Double check will
2: be that he'll have ready whoever they come across.
1: Now, Troy, all year you said Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. You were talking Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. God, we got to give credit to Andy Reid right here because he's done a tremendous job. Alex Smith, uh, Macklin, uh, Kelsey, I mean, you name it. they, they got playmakers now. Uh, and this reminds him of the old Philadelphia team that he had when he first had McNabb. But uh, he's got some playmakers now. So is Kansas City really poised to challenge uh, New England, you think?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think they have the tools to do it. I think they can play well on defense when they need to. Um, they are a but they'll break defense. And they make it tough for you to score in the red zone. Now, of course, you know, you've seen over the years, it doesn't really matter who the Patriots personnel is. They'll figure out a way to get it done. But I think this year, with the way Andy Reid has coached this team, and he has finally found some playmakers in Tariq Hill and and also Macklin coming back, they still don't know if Jamal Charles is going to be back. But this team can run the football. They can pass protect. Alex Smith is great with the football in his hand. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. He's methodical, and he manages the game, and that's fine for where Andy Reid is is coming from. He doesn't need you to be spectacular. He needs you to execute, and they've done that. So I just think that matchup is – if that matchup comes to fruition, I just think that's going to be one of those things where I'm definitely going to tune in to watch it because I personally love watching the Kansas City Chiefs play. I know that may not be most people's cup of tea because they want to see a whole lot of points, But I just like to see teams who are prepared and know how to execute and play the football game the correct way. And so when you see those two teams, the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid and Bill Belichick with the Patriots, I think both of those guys are the epitome of that, being prepared and knowing football. So that's what I really want to watch. So I'm looking forward to that matchup if that happens.
1: Well, earning the AFC West is one thing, but getting to the Super Bowl is another and they got to go through. We just talked about Miami and Pittsburgh. So if if uh, the Steelers, let's say, manhandle the Dolphins, for example, uh, they got to beat Roethlisberger, and then they got to go uh, beat up
2: tv twelve. So technically, a hard road to accomplish. Oh yeah, big time, man. I mean, and yeah. I mean, let's not you know count the Steelers out again, just like you said. I mean, they're the third seed. So if they if they beat the Miami Dolphins, they go in the Arrowhead. And I think they, you know, they they're not, you know, they can match up with them. I mean, that secondary that KC has, and and the weapons that the uh, the Steelers have, I just think that's a great matchup right there. So. I just think there, there'll there be a mismatch with the, the with the Pittsburgh defense. The defense is, is a bit middle of the road. And, you know, Kansas City all of a sudden has these playmakers on the edge. And they can hit you from many different angles. And Travis Kelsey just having another huge year. I just think that bodes well for them. So that'd be a fantastic matchup for a 3-2 matchup.
1: Who would have thought that Kansas City would own the West at the end? I mean, Raiders were so, you know, uh, so good for for during the season, then all of a sudden you get this tragedy of of a quarterback. But you know the the injury. But uh, I like I said, you got to give credit to Andy Reid. I mean, stable, consistent. Um, you know they they win the division title. I mean, it's just it's a great season for them. Are you still there, Troy? Dropped up. There we are. Think, I'm here now. I, think I dropped, you a little dropped off, off a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Um, I was saying it's a great season for Andy Reid because of everything that's happened so far. Steady ride. Um, they weren't flamboyant, you know, like they weren't to where they're beating teams badly. They were playing their game. Uh, now they get to play the best of the best, so they got to go up against you know Pittsburgh or New England. Um, so why why not? I mean, this is this is it. This is you have to earn it. You know, you have to earn the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm pretty sure Kansas City fans are just stoked right now.
2: Yeah, and especially since they get that extra week to get healthy. Uh, to me, that's key. I and mean, You hear a lot of people say, I'd rather just go ahead and keep going. Listen, there is, I don't know any player that will say that. I think every player will want to have that first week by, uh, that, you know, and just to rest up your players, just to get healthy, get treatment, and, you know, get prepared for whoever you're going to play. I think that would, be, that would bode well for anyone. Of course, we've seen it happen in the past where the wild card team, whoever that may be, comes in and beats the number two or the number one seed. just think you would much rather have the rest. With Kansas City getting rest and being able to rest their players, I think that gives them the great advantage to whoever that matchup will be in that, in that first round. Are we looking at at Reed versus Belichick,
1: you think, at this point, or no? I,
2: I I think it's too early to call. I think, you know, the way Pittsburgh plays, they can beat anybody. Um you know, with that offense that they have. And they do have enough playmakers on defense to make it tough, you know, for other teams. Um, you know, they're again, they're not the Pittsburgh Steelers of old, where you have all those linebackers like Greg Lloyd flying around, LeVon Kirkland. This isn't that team. But they can still make things tough. They can still rush off the edge. They, you know, with you got Bud Dupree is out there who can make plays. Um you know, you still have uh Shazir who's out there, they can play. So, you know, they're not they're not there are no slouches. And again, they can beat anybody, you know, with the right context. But I just think if I'm doing my matchups right now and if I see, you know, Pittsburgh versus Kansas City, I think I would give Kansas City the edge, especially them playing at Arrowhead, which is an extremely tough place to play. And it's going to be very tough to play because this is their first playoff
1: appearance in a long time. So you know that's going to be a packed house.
2: Yeah, yeah, Arrowhead. I mean, they've they've been in the playoffs a bunch of years and they've been on the road at each and every time. And so for them to get a home game, are you kidding me? In Kansas City, man, this is this is that's that's football right there, man. This is a renaissance. dude. This, this is like you know the. Hey, years uh, Troy. Of...
1: Um, one of the fans on uh, one of my groups says um, Rams who? Rams what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rub it in. Can you can you rub it in any further than that? The Rams get hey. shipped to Cali. Horrible. And guess what? Kansas City wins the division and are in the playoffs. Yeah, talk about hey. giving me the middle finger pretty quickly.
2: Well, this is good news for the Rams. This is good news. I mean, just like they, uh, you know, I kind of called this one. You know, Shanahan's coming out there to interview. Um, you know, so that's that's going to be a good thing, man. You know, it's, it's got you guys going to get a, a good coach out of this. You also bring out of my, coaches, uh, the Redskins. You also bring out the Redskins, OC uh Sean McVeigh out there. I thought that was awesome yeah. too, man. So uh, got, yeah. got some uh, some people coming in there. Speaking so, of coaches, Joy,
1: so we'll move into Black Monday. A couple of the teams did not wait for Black Monday as a on that that was the Rams and the Bills, uh with uh, Rexy sexy as uh N'Kishi would say. Um And then you have San Diego as well. Um, Do you think in San Diego just the patience wasn't there anymore, or do you think McCoy had to go?
2: No, man, the the patience wasn't there. I mean, listen, I think it was 21 of their players were on IR, 21. What coach is going to really push through that, especially when it's not like, you know, they had a stockpile of talent just sitting around anyway. So, I mean, what did you expect? I thought Mike McCoy did a great job. I I like Mike McCoy. I I think he's a a good coach. I just think that San Diego was extremely impatient, and what they should have done was give him another year, give him some weapons, give him a fair shot. And, And I know injuries are a part of the game, but I just really think that, what they've done is wasted a, a very good offensive-minded of coach, who would who benefited uh, Phillip Rivers, and would have benefited Philip Rivers next year as well.
1: Now, uh, Troy, they didn't give him much uh, in terms of you know support either because they didn't really you know uh, what they're living off Phillip Rivers for how long are they going to live off Phillip Rivers? You know what I mean? They haven't brought anybody in as a backup to prove something different, and. Playmakers, I mean, since LT left, there hasn't been really much of a playmakers in terms of San Diego. And they got the, you know, the the horrible situation with their stadium. So, I mean, if you're a Charger fan, I mean, this is just a more of a disappointing season.
2: Yeah, I mean, and again, they lost so many, so many weapons, man. I mean, you know, Danny Woodhead went out. You had, you know, two of your starting receivers go down. Um uh Gates, he's retiring. At least did, you know, make a splash with um, Hunter Henry, who was a great he's gonna be a great tight end. Um and also uh I think they, they are happy with Joey Bosa also at the defensive end. But you know again, he didn't have a whole lot to work with. He just didn't. I mean the 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 cupboard was, was was very bare especially when you already had the injuries. So I thought he just, you know, he was competitive in pretty much every single game. And I think the problem that they had with him, honestly, was one game and one game in particular. And that's when they lost to the Browns. When they lost to the Browns, I felt like that was probably the last straw for Mike McCoy. And you know what? Somebody was going to have to be the guy, you know, somebody was going to have to be the team that lost to him. And unfortunately it was them again, you know, what I was trying to explain to Kishi, your kicker, Josh Lambeau, that was on you, buddy. You had one job to do. All you had to do was kick the field goal, and this is a non-issue. And he couldn't make it. So this this is my gripe with kickers all the time. So so just bear with me. And, you know. Troy, I tell us how you really feel about kickers. I'm with you, job, buddy. I, I mean, my punter
1: my, my punter's in the Pro Bowl, so I, I'm with you, man. I really am with you. <laughs>
2: All
1: right, so this this Ram situation, um, they're going to have to bring in some key people you had, as you just mentioned earlier. So I'm not even going to go into that. But do you feel like Les Snead should have been let go as well? They should have pulled up yes. with the Niners, pulled up north?
2: Yes, I do. Um, and I, I say that because, if he's a personnel guy, okay, somebody explain to me why you haven't bought in more talent at the wide receiver position. Now, you've built your defensive lineup. you built your defensive backs up. You know, you got some. you have a, a very good defense, and I understand that's where you start at. But where are the other playmakers on offense? They lucked up when they got Todd Grove. Todd Gurley fell into the LA Rams lap. Okay, that was not the plan going forward. They didn't even think Gurley was going to beat it. So he fell into their lap. But when are you going to get him some top? When are you going to get him some wide receiver talent? You have a Tavon Austin out there who is a weapon. And what you need to do is feature those two guys on your offense: Todd Gurley and Tavon Austin. If you can figure a way to incorporate those guys and maximize their talent, I think the Rams would be formidable. But you also have to get him another wide receiver, an actual legit number one wide receiver. Because, listen, Tavon Austin, he's a slot guy. He's not a number one guy. He's not a big outside guy. He's not going to get you that over-the-top, you know, uh, jumping over someone and catch. He's not going to out-muscle anybody. He's quick. He's fast. Get him in space. That's his gig. But you need to get him somebody else on the outside that can take away a lot of the, the, the attention that he gets, which is why he doesn't get the ball as much as he does in the first place.
1: Do they make a mistake, Troy, if they bring in an outside coach like Stanford's uh, Stanford's coach, uh, Shaw? Do they make a mistake and get somebody from college at this point, or do they need to stay within the pro level?
2: I, I think you would probably want to stay in the pro level. Uh, David Shaw, um Sort of would be more of the same, if if that makes any uh, sense, because David Shaw is he is a defensive minded coach and he wants to play smash mouth football. He wants to impose as will on you with the big offensive line and run the ball. Now that would bode well very much so with Todd Gurley, okay. But I think you would have the same, or you would have a similar type of offense. That you had, and I just don't think that that bodes well for one of your top talents out there, and that's Tavon Austin. You need to figure out how you're going to get someone, you're going to have to find someone dynamic on offense, somebody that knows offense, the ball, the people in space who can spread teams out and where they don't know where it's coming and they're being unpredictable. And I just think with David Shaw, he's very predictable but he just happened to have a team where it's big enough where they're going to wear you down. When by the time the fourth quarter comes, you're waving a white flag because they beat you down into the ground so much.
1: Is it time for these clubs to start picking at Belichick, Lynn and start to bring somebody? Uh, Josh McDaniel, even if he goes to the Rams, I just don't feel he's the right fit for it. Gruden, I think, is outdated. Uh, maybe Bevel out of Seattle would be a good fit.
2: Um, I honestly, you know, the whole McDaniel thing is interesting because I just think, unlike a guy like Lane Kiffin, I think he's actually learned from his mistake. I think he's learned to, you know, I think he went out to Denver and tried to be Bill Belichick. You know, I'm going to do it my way. and I'm going to pick this, like I picked Tim Tebow in the first round. I am going to, you know, get rid of Brandon Marshall my best wide receiver talent, and I'm going to win without him. And he started off 6-0, and and everyone was like, this guy's a genius. And then it just all blew up in his face. And two seasons later, he's out the door. So I just think he's learned so much to be a little bit more patient, to be a little bit more understanding of trying to maximize his talent instead of trying to be the dictator. I think Josh McDaniels is a great offensive mind. I think he's, you know, seeing what they've done up there in New England when Gronk went out and you know, to see what they have to work with at the wide receiver talent and, you know, being able to still be effective throwing the football. I just think that'll bode well for your young quarterback in in, in golf if they were to bring McDaniel in there. Um, Obviously, it would depend upon, you know, who he gets also on the staff. And they need to figure a way to still emphasize that defense because that right there is that team's backbone. But you still need to get some production wide offense, so that's why I feel like they need to hire an offensive guy to run that whole program. Hey
1: Troy, if you're the owner, can I fire you? And just get rid of you,
2: because I mean <laughs> you're
1: like as worthless as my general manager and the coach. Man, the Bay Area media actually came out really well this this past week. I mean they 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 just literally just took the hand and slapped uh, Yad York right in the face. <laughs> they wasted no time. That
2: was funny. Oh my God! I thought that was that was brilliant by the reporters, because they really held him accountable. And he stood up there like a you know little petulant child and just kind of reiterated what he was just saying. You know, again, I'm, I'm the owner. It's culture. It's culture. <laughs> yeah. It's a culture. It's a culture change. Culture. We have to change the culture. You know, the, the culture. It's a winning culture. And he's you know, talking about he's talking to all these old, you know, former players about what to do. Really, is that what you do? You really gonna talk to you know, talk to Joe Montana about how to run your franchise? I, I just I, I find that hard to believe. I just don't think he did that. And so you know, up there in the bay, okay, their problem is they were completely devoid of talent. Like on, you can look at the Rams team and say, okay, you have some talent here, you got some talent there. I can't look anywhere in that team. I can't look anywhere in that team and say, you know what, this talented guy. You know, I mean, you, honestly, so, if you look at Kaepernick's numbers, his numbers weren't bad. He had a ninety quarterback rating. He had sixteen touchdowns, four interceptions, but he had no one else to do. He had no one else to throw to. I mean, what? Vincent Corey, Donald? is it the hair?
1: If he cut his hair, you think the Niners would have been better?
2: No, up I love that hair, man. That hair is
1: awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hell, man, I'm worried hey, about it myself. <laughs> you know what? it's
1: know what? It, this team needs to just be blown up. It just needs to be blown up. I mean, it's just the way it is. Whoever yeah, takes man. over uh, in terms of a general manager, uh, it's going to have to start from scratch. Um, it's just, it's just the way it is. And the owner is in total denial because, you know, uh, somebody tweeted me. This is now Browns West. It's just this is the way it is now, ownership wise. Yeah, it's the Browns on, out west, um, and he's just can, like you know, to him, based on the legacy his uh, his uncle left, this is a, just
2: disgrace. Can you believe that they're going to be on their fourth coach in four years? That's amazing. That's amazing. I don't even. That's that's just crazy. I mean, just. I've never seen a team that went from Sugar to Shinola that quickly. You were just in a Super Bowl in 2012. You were just in a Super Bowl, and now you're a joke? How did, how did that happen? Jim Harbaugh. You find yeah, Jim Harbaugh bad. because you didn't get along with him. And you did that for Balky. It's,
1: uh, hey, oh Troy, Troy Harbaugh is probably hanging out with and laughing right now because that's all he can do now is just laugh. Because He's it's really probably, what it is. He probably never stop
2: laughing. <laughs> <He> <laughs> seriously mean, every and every now and then he'll throw a shot at the forty nine. He'll he'll throw a little shot out there. And uh I just think it's hilarious, man. I mean oh man, what an obnoxious guy, man. I just I don't know, man. I I don't even know this kid Jay York but already I want to punch him in the nose myself, man. <laughs> he just
1: he, oh my God! What a, uh, what a joke! Hey Troy, uh, in the Bay Area, the rumor is he walked in. The uh, Harbaugh walked into the office and said, "Listen here, punk. If you don't give me what I want, I'm out of here." And I think he left. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: sounds about right too. That sounds like something that Harbaugh would. <laughs> I'm going to
1: Michigan and see you later, punk.
2: Yes, sir.
1: It was, it, you know, you could see York with the one of those pacifiers after Harbaugh left. Right now, that's where he's yep. at. Right now, he's yeah, laying in diapers with the pacifier. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't have a clue. And Holly, and he did, Holly woman, I'm sorry, but I feel bad for you, just like I feel bad for me. Just a mess. These Cali teams are a mess between San Diego, uh, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. What a disaster.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's the San Andreas fault right now, bro. Seriously.
1: And and the Raiders going down with their quarterback? I mean, that, oh, bad luck on this date. It's got to be the liberals in the state just taking us yeah. down. I'm just joking. Go
2: ahead and throw the Lakers uh, and the Sacramento Kings in there,
1: too. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, Troy. You're killing me.
2: <laughs>
1: on that note, you know, I was on FanDuel the other night, and I had my card lined up, and – one of the Lakers that I chose to score on this only puts up three points, which he normally throws in like twenty-five points. Guess what happened? Seven three-pointers missed. I was oh pissed. wow, <laughs> pissed. Wow. How the hell do you let me down like that? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so I got let down, and uh, you know, I got my six bucks back, so I guess I should be happy, anyways. But
2: <laughs>
1: crap. Um. Troy, the finals are here. College football. Uh what a what a week of frenzies between the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, uh, and the main bowls, and then the non Main Bowls. God, it just it's like a migraine. But anyways, um let's talk about the main bowls here, sugar and Rose Bowl, uh, Penn State against USC. Your thoughts there.
2: Fantastic Rose Bowl, the best Rose Bowl I've seen in a long time, probably ever. It was just, it it was great. I mean, to watch, you know, Sam Darnold, freshman quarterback, going out there. You know, he had so much confidence coming in there because of how that season went. And um, the guy just, he he was just lights out. I guarantee this, man. Two years from now, he's going to be his very first pick in the NFL draft in 2019. You heard it here first on that one. And then you also look at running back Saquon Barkley for Penn State, 200 yards rushing. Did you see the 79-yard run he did? That was amazing, amazing run that he had out there. It was just – it was incredible. And then you, quarterback Trace McSorley for the Penn State uh, Nittany Lions, he had a fantastic game. He's been throwing the ball around the yard this whole season, at least the second half of the season, where Penn State started to get some confidence. Uh, Godwin, he just torched everyone out there. Dory Jackson, he was going against him most of the game. Dory Jackson, you'll see him in the NFL next year. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. He was spinning them like a the top. It was just it had everything in this game. It had everything. You had scoring. You had big hits. You had you know, just great enthusiasm amongst these fan bases. It was in you know, Pasadena and the Rose Bowl. This is an absolute Surefire Classic. You will see this game again on ESPN Classic for years to come. If you didn't see it, you can still catch it. So all you got to do is go to ESPN and pull up the app, and you can watch it there, man. It It was just such a great game, man, back and forth all day long. I was actually surprised that SC pulled it out, especially since Penn State pretty much had their number for a little bit. But USC ran off 17 straight points in the fourth quarter to take the win. And and kicking the field goal at the last second was just a fantastic
1: game. Yeah, it was a really awesome game. You could you you got to, you have to watch it. It's uh you know, it's got everything in it, especially in the third quarter. Uh Penn State did a really good number, twenty eight to eight in the third quarter, and then seventeen to zero for USC. So um you also had uh Washington, Alabama, and so not as close as we thought it would be. First quarter was probably the only excitement after that. It was just the tide rolling the tide.
2: ...in that game to win. uh, Alabama was highly favored to win that game. So, I mean, it's not a big surprise for most of the people who watched that. Uh, Washington was just physically outmatched. I mean, Alabama's been doing it all year round, especially in that Vaughn and SEC conference. Um, that's what Alabama does. They beat you and beat you and beat you until you give up. And that's kind of what Washington did. It looked like um, they're just physically a superior team. And so, you know, a lot of people weren't really surprised about that, but they were surprised about how Washington still came out, and they threw a lot of strikes, especially on the defensive end, and slowed down that Alabama attack. Probably one of the things where, you know, um, you know, uh, Dwayne Kiffin – Probably got a big chewing out after that game because of what Washington did, to them. and they wanted to have that refocused with Alabama and their savings so uh it was a it was a it was a little bit tough game to watch, especially if you're a Washington fan with Alabama business as usual, and they're on to the Clemson next week, and so that's gonna be a huge game
1: so you got uh you obviously have Alabama winning the championship against Clemson then at this point no is that your favorite this
2: is a re- this no, nah, this is a rematch. This is a rematch. So I, I'm looking at the way Clemson handled business. Okay, Clemson completely shut down Ohio State, 31-0. to nothing. Um, Most people thought it would have been a much closer game. I, for one, didn't. I felt like Clemson was the much more superior team. I felt like um, Ohio State would have had a problem moving the football, which they did. I felt like Ohio State, if Clemson took away the run, Ohio State was going to have problems throwing the ball because J.T. Barrett, that's really not a strong suit, and they don't have the weapons that on offense at the wide receiver position that they did last year. So I knew that would be an issue for them. Clemson completely took them out of the game from start to finish. It was just an absolute beat down. And I like the way Clemson is looking going into this game. Clemson is still, still looking at it like we had that national championship last year. It was a very tight game. And I feel like that Clemson knows that they can hang with Alabama. And this week, on Monday, it's for all the marbles. It's going to be a fantastic matchup. I, I think the biggest thing is, is Clemson going to be able to sustain that physicality that Alabama brings? You know, so Deshaun Watson, is he going to have that great game that he had like he did last year where he virtually put the team on his back? And what you saw was a superior performance from a superior player. This is what we're going to look for. And this, you know, you know, this is where legends are written. It's a national championship game, and this is for all the moments right here. So I just think, hmm, I think I'm going to go ahead. and I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to say Alabama's going to win. I think, I think it's going to be close. But I think Alabama just, you know, physically, the way I've seen them beat teams up, I just think, you know, I think it might be a little bit too much for Clemson, but I don't think it'd be. I, I don't think it's just a far-fetched, um, you know, easy conclusion to come to. But I think it will be the Alabama Crimson Tide that wins.
1: Awesome. Um, just to let you guys know, you guys can get all the recaps, pretty much everything in women's gridiron covering globally on our network at Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can go to the Twitter feed as well, at Gridiron Beauty, Daily Breaking News, Health Tips, and NFL Insights. You can go to our Instagram, the Best Athletes Showcase Globally in the Women's Game. And on our Instagram, 2016 Best of Nine, you can go check check it out on our Facebook, Twitter, or directly on our Instagram. We showcased uh, Andy Vasquez of FX uh, Mexico, uh, Lauren Evans, Sharian Lee, Matilda Quist, and Christy Moran out there in uh, Australia, as well as Tov Hedingren uh, out of Sweden. And they're all both, are uh, all these uh, stars are on our Instagram, 2016 best of nine. Let's take a look at it on our Twitter feed, Facebook, or directly onto our Instagram. So uh, not much going on in the off season right now with the WFA, IWFL, except for tryouts. So there's a couple tryouts that are coming up. Go to our Facebook page there. Check out some of the major teams that are having tryouts this weekend. Seattle Majestics on January 14th. you got San Diego Surge as well in, uh, in January, I believe, 15th. And there's a bunch of teams nationwide. You go to wfafootball.net. Check out what teams are on there. Go under the Team tab. Find out where your local team is. Get in contact with the, the team directly uh, through an email or to a contact box and they will get you started in terms of registration and what it will take. The Seattle Miss will have their uh, tryouts as well January this coming January weekend, so uh, you can be part of the team there, as well as the Los Angeles Temptation. So you can go to LFLUS.com, or you can go to their Facebook pages, Los Angeles Temptation or Seattle Miss on Facebook for more details. I want to give a shout-out to Huskies Chico McClather, who was featured on SeattleTimes.com, and his mom – which is Cam Warner, former Seattle Majestic standout and Seattle Miss amazing running back. She was part of the Miss of 2010-2011, an amazing beast. If you haven't seen her highlights, you can always get her highlights on YouTube. Just go to Cam Warner and you punch in Seattle Miss and you'll see it. Cam Warner, one of the uh, probably elite running backs in the Legends Football League history. So um, that's uh, Chico McClather's mom and that's where he learned some of these skill sets. So shout out to Cam Warner for her awesome, awesome athleticism. Um, Utah Girls Football League, third season coming up. You can register at utahgirlsfootball.com or slash GFL register, or you can go directly to their Facebook page at Utah Girls Football League, as well as um, there's a register link on our Facebook page also. Um, So a lot of off-season things that are happening in Mexico, FXL, uh, Female Extreme League Season 2 will launch on March 4th through April 8th, and we're looking at six weeks competition. You have uh, eight teams now, uh, including the champion Heartbreakers, and you also have the returning teams of the Beats, the Esmeraldas. Now they've added uh, uh, four more teams, the Cowgirls, the Ravens, the Vikinga Negras, and the Thunder. And you can go to that um, to their site on Facebook as well at FXL. Um, LFB, which is Liga uh, Football Bikini out of Cancun, they've announced that obviously they're going to expand also. It's Sel Servin with the president of LFB. She's going to uh, be making some changes to expand for the new season coming up in March. You can catch her interview there on our Facebook page as well and kind of give you the details of what's coming up. And then on our Facebook uh, page, Doji Malo has compiled some interesting uh, stats for the uh, season of 2016. And we're looking at the WFA top ten running backs, WFA top ten quarterbacks, and the WFA top ten wide receivers uh, compiled by Doji Melo Trading Cards. And you can uh, follow him also at Doji Melo Trading Cards on Facebook. So uh, Troy, a lot of off-season work to be done. The new season kicks off in April for uh, April 2017. A lot of the teams in off-season mode, so it's a, it's a great time for the women's game right now. And then we're also having the trials. Coming out, USA Team Trials and women's uh, the Women's World Games 4 this coming uh, month, coming up in the, at the end of January, and then in February as well. So uh, build up to the new season of Women's Gridiron coming up in this coming uh, season in 2017.
2: Yeah, I mean, April's right around the corner. It'll be here before you even know it. So, I mean, a lot of these teams are wrapping up. Good luck to everyone out there with the tryouts and the season. Um, you know, I see a lot of people putting in the work and, and uh, you know, checking out where the athleticism is right now. A lot of people just getting healed up for their injuries, like our, our great buddy uh, Holly Custis. Uh, good luck with the knee, girl. You know, we're looking forward to seeing you out there in the field. So good luck to everyone out there for the tryouts, and uh can't wait to see you guys. All right, and just to let
1: you guys know, a contest ends this uh, January 6th. If you go to our Twitter handle, retweet and follow us, and you can have a chance to win a $50 Victoria's Secret gift card. It's until January 6th. Just retweet and follow us. And Victoria's Secret's having their annual semi-annual sale. Take advantage of the $50, and you can save big and get cool stuff. So go to our Twitter feed at Grand Iron Beauty, $50 gift card till January 6th. It's pretty simple. Retweet and follow. One lucky winner will win that $50 gift card. So Troy, that's going to be a very exciting weekend, wild card weekend, both AFC and NFC. We just talked about it. College football coming up, the big bowl game. Um, just a lot of action happening in the in the pro and the college level. And then uh, off-season training. So keep keep up to date. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash on everything that's happening in the women's game and uh, up to date on there as well as on our Twitter feed. So uh, for Tori Wilson, the uh, absent and Kishi Free, who went to sleep a little early, We'll see her here next week. Uh, we will catch you here next week, next Tuesday, uh, on the Gridiron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio. And we look forward to the action of NFL Wildcard card weekend and college football. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you,
2: guys.